alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the 86th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Uh, You know, I think we were talking about this recently and I was just starting to watch it today was that 30 for 30, uh, John Elway to Marino or Elway to Marino? Yes, the uh, the big draft, big quarterback draft in the 80s. Hell yeah. It was, uh, I got about three quarters of the way through it. I got to where they drafted Jim Kelly. So I'm like, man, so Elway and Kelly are little bitches, basically. I really like Jim Kelly. I didn't know he did that. Oh, how he left? Uh, for the U.S.? Yeah, he went to the USFL because he did not want to play for the Bills. But then it turns out he loves Buffalo and loved playing for the Bills. Dude, he's like a fucking national treasure there now. They love him. I hope he's okay. I know he had uh, sinus cancer. He wasn't doing... Or the last time I seen him earlier this year or last year, he, he wasn't looking real great, but I think he's in remission. Yeah, I don't know. I I did hear that he was kind of in a bad way, but I'm not sure if he got better or not. I haven't heard it. There's no other news besides, you know, COVID and everything that's going on. So kind of <laughs> yeah. hard to keep track of things. Yeah, the, the, the world seems to be on fire right now. I hope everybody's staying safe. I've seen a lot of people, you know, that I know personally are catching it. So uh, message from Sub D. I hope everybody stays safe out there. Now, yeah. I wanted to. Oh, I was going to say about Jim Kelly, if he would have won just one of those Super Bowls that he was in, uh, some of our fans might not know. He was in four Super Bowls and did not win four in a row, didn't win one. If he would have just won one of those Super Bowls, he would have been top tier, like on the, you know, the Elway or Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type, but he just never won one. I th- I really think they just got bad luck because of the dynasty cowboys and the 49ers right or well, the, yeah and uh washington yeah really and washington good. yeah they just kind of got a bad string of luck with insanely good teams but yeah. uh, but uh, i wanted to bring this up i i'd seen this on reddit which you know obviously isn't the most trusted source on the internet but it was a <laughs> it was a apparently on reddit they still have a board for john teeter do you remember him yes so People were in there arguing that they were re- they were reading John Teeter's message wrong, and of course he was trying to warn us about the liberals and the Democrats creating a shadow government. And there's of like course. an argument amongst the people who still think he's real in their little chat room. That happened so many years ago. I don't know why people are still talking about it. Well, it's kind of the same thing with the Nostradamus effect. Basically, you take this prediction and maybe some people think it means Napoleon. Some people think it means Hitler. Maybe it means Eisenhower. Maybe it means, you know, whoever, whoever you want it to mean, it can mean them. It could mean Bush for all, you know, you know, whoever you want the bad guy to be, you can make it them. 
the Antichrist thing too. Same thing. It's just like, I know people are kind of out of their wits right now, and I kind of get it. Uh, This year's been kind of a living hell for everybody, to be honest with you. But uh, but yeah, I don't know for, you know, getting into a John Teeter subreddit is maybe the best place to argue about the world's events or the way that you perceive things are going to happen in the future. But it was a nice throwback to someone that we talked about quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, About 2020. So I actually heard an interesting theory. I was reading on my like newsfeed on my phone during break time the other day. They were talking about how alien sightings are up. I think it was like 20 to 25% compared to how many we had the entire like 2019. Apparently they're up a lot higher right now. They think that 2020 might end with a possible alien invasion. So, Ooh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't want an invasion. I just want them to come like, you know, like they did in Star Trek when the, uh, when the Vulcans, yeah, the Vulcans up. came. That's how I want it to go. Obviously, you and I think Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left seems to think that it's going to be a hostile takeover. But uh, I guess <laughs> I guess we'll find yeah. out, won't we? They're gonna they're gonna show up with their magnifying glass, and all the ants are gonna start fucking scattering. I wonder what the certain group of people, when they start calling the aliens dirty liberals, trying to take their freedoms. I wonder what how the aliens are going to respond to that. When the Boogaloo boys show up, (laughs) (laughs) those fat bastards just get roasted. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, that's enough of that. Bill, I want you to take the reins and lead us on a journey here. All right. So on the morning of June 30th, 1908, a strange occurrence happened in the isolated Russian wilderness, taking place in the very lightly populated region of the vast area known as Siberia, occurring in what is now known as the Russian Federal District of Krasnarsk Krai, located in the center of modern-day Russia. Is there any large populated area in Siberia? There are cities in Siberia south of the the Arctic region, basically. Well, it just seems like the fucking frozen tundra just sounds horrific there like i i don't know it just sounds like a hellscape to live in yeah they have the exact same problem that minnesota has with being in the center of a continent way up north and nothing but like vast stretches of land to the west they get just terrible cold there basically the same thing that minnesota has with the plain states and canada and it's just all of this horrific cold and they have yetis yeah of course they have yetis too (laughs) (laughs) So the area that this incident occurred in is such an isolated place that it took nearly two decades and a new government, the Soviets, to investigate what had actually happened in this region, finally sending out a party led by Leonid Kulik, a Russian mineralogist. He had found a vast area of decimated forest with trees scorched and stripped, looking more like bent over telephone poles. Okay, all right. I'm assuming this isn't a loose football thrown by uh, Nate Staley from the Iowa Hawkeyes, is it? No, it could be. He might have had uh, <laughs> he might have had too much of a rush and just knocked some trees down. But <laughs> I don't know. This I imagine finding any anomaly in Siberia, especially one with scorched trees and shit like that, would be pretty quite a sight to behold. 
Yeah, especially when you're just, I mean, back in 1920s, this entire area, it's, I mean, it basically looks kind of the same now, um, but there's a few more people living there. When you're, when you're just walking through mile after mile of dense forest and all of a sudden there just isn't any, there's all only just knocked over, burnt out trees. So, and it happened two decades before. So I'm assuming they're looking through this during, I don't know if it's summer, fall, like, or is it uh, winter? Well, so when the event occurred, it was June 30th. But when they got there, I do believe it was uh, like springtime when okay. they got there. Okay. So, okay. So then it would definitely stick out without snow and shit everywhere then. Okay. Yeah. You definitely wouldn't want to travel. If it's taken you two decades to get to this region, you wouldn't want to travel there so that you get there in the winter. That's right. kind of a death sentence for people who aren't native to the lands so now are they sure rasputin wasn't here casting spells it could have been rasputin <laughs> i mean who knows it might have been 1908 was a little early for rasputin's reign i think he was basically just wandering around fucking looking for holy places and, and pussy, of course <laughs> drinking wine and shit now according to indigenous witnesses interviewed by kulik and his team a fireball had been seen flying across the sky, which was made up of blue light that was brighter than the sun and ended with a huge flash and a loud explosion that sounded like artillery fire. Now, after the loud bang, a massive shockwave was reported that rippled throughout the area. Now, that shockwave could be felt for hundreds of miles in every direction, blowing out windows and knocking people off of their feet. Okay, so you're you're finally going here. We're talking about Obama's time machine coming back into 1908. I mean, clearly he has to be going with the speed of light, and then he teleports here, creates a big shockwave, right? Yeah, he uh, he must have broke the sound <laughs> wave. He must have broke that sound barrier, and then his engine must have ran out of oil or something. He bailed out, and it just blew up this whole region. But of course it's Obama, so he has extras kind of stashed throughout time and space. I kind of been, honestly, I know we joke about Barry Sotero, but I've been kind of liking seeing him on the news recently. He's like, he's very, he's very good at like, ja like throwing jabs, like very subtle jabs. It's great. Yeah, he definitely is back in his element. It feels like he's shed about a decade since the last time we saw him like four <laughs> years ago. So he's definitely looking a lot younger. He was looking about in his 60s back when he got out of office, but. He's, well, he's back down in about where he should be. Well, I guess they asked him if Biden had asked him to join his cabinet or whatever, and his answer was, Michelle would kill me. <laughs> I heard it. Uh, I saw a news clip, and it said, Michelle would leave me. Oh, That's Michelle would leave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's... I imagine being the president, you know, brings your lifespan down about 20 years. Fuck Yeah, man. that was... I think that was his same answer when they asked him if he would ever consider trying to get the law changed to go for a third term. I think he pretty much just said, like, Michelle would no longer... I'd be divorced. Michelle would just divorce <laughs> so. Now, according to a 1960s Moscow radio report, the shockwave was registered from seismograph stations in the area as a magnitude 5 earthquake. Instruments in St. Petersburg, Berlin, London, and Washington, D.C. even, were able to pick up the shockwave. The sound of the explosion could be heard up to 700 miles away 
and the phenomena created a disturbance in the atmosphere, which caused the night sky in Paris and London to light up, allowing Parisians to read the newspaper in the middle of the night without candles and for photographers in London to use their cameras to take pictures without having to use the flash at all during nighttime. Okay, you if you were in London and you saw that or Paris or whatever, how would you not think the world's not ending or something? Yeah, you would definitely think something was fucking up. I mean, they barely had light bulbs at the time. It's it's insane to think. I mean, imagine if you were just living in downtown in a major city and all of a sudden the the sky just lit up like it was during the day. Even though it was obviously nighttime out, you just had this bright ass light that lit up the sky. I couldn't even imagine what it would look like. I mean, do you think it'd be as noticeable now with all the light pollution everywhere in big cities? Um, it would still be noticeable. I mean, when you live in a big city, you when you look up at the sky, obviously you see no sc- no stars and the light pollution kind of bounces off of the regular pollution. So you kind of see it almost <laughs> cloudy. Like when you're in downtown Phoenix every night, it kind of looks like it might be cloudy. Yeah. But that's just like the, the light bouncing off the pollution. So, Man, okay, so a magnitude 5 earthquake, I mean, I'm trying to think of how powerful that would be. I don't think that's enough to do damage, but I think you definitely feel it. Yeah, I think that's, I mean... When we were talking about the earthquake episodes, those were like magnitude eight. I know that it goes up like exponentially with the whole like the magnitude. But I mean, maybe if I lived in L.A. or someplace like more tectonically active, I would know what that means. Like if I'd ever been in an earthquake. But I imagine a magnitude five earthquake is still enough to scare the shit out of you. Oh, I'm I'm sure of that. I just well, I imagine when this came in, it just kind of shook really quick. Like it would be like a really quick earthquake, not like a sustained earthquake, obviously. Yeah, like it would it would roll through like a like a blast wave, and then all of a sudden you would think you were in an earthquake, but it would end really, really quick. Really so, abruptly, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1929, two years after the Kulik expedition, the New York Times actually picked up his studies and wrote an article about the 1927 expedition. Now, the article talks about what Leonid Kulik found in that faraway wilderness. And quote, In the center, there was an area several miles in diameter, where the earth is torn and furrowed as though a gigantic harrow, and also pitted in places with numerous large circular excavations resembling lunar craters. Around this center is a broad zone in which lie millions of trees stripped of bark and branches, and all with their tops pointed outward. They bear the marks of uniform scorch, quite different from the effects of an ordinary forest fire. These trees, some of which are great of size, were evidently blown down by the blast of air produced by the fall of a meteoric mass. The same blast knocked down human beings and damaged houses 50 miles away. A Tungus, and uh, a Tungus is uh, an indigenous person of the region, Okay, told Kulik, that one of his relatives had stores and a herd of 1,500 domestic reindeer in the forest when the meteorite fell. These were all destroyed. Only a few scorched carcasses of the animals could be found. The storehouse was burned down, tools completely melted. Wow. Now, I asked, I wanted to ask you really quick, 
since your ancestors may have been reindeer farmers <laughs> in the area. Did they hear this story and were any of their reindeer affected? Uh, I don't think so. As far as I know, we were, uh, <laughs> my ancestors were uh, still in Norway at that point. So they should have been plenty safe. But God damn, either, it, you know, it sounds like when you're watching DBZ and Goku's powering up and there's just like that ball that's pushing the ground down and like creating this like shockwave coming off of him that's destroying everything burning everything in its path like that's literally what it sounds like is happening right now yeah exactly just a massive that's actually a kind of a good thing for it it's like a massive ball of energy that just blows out from the center so this so the 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 gentleman here is basically saying that the entire herd was like score like burnt and just completely eradicated it wasn't like a shockwave hit him and destroyed him it was like a fire that hit him yeah, it was this massive fire, especially at the epicenter where the trees fell. There was this massive heat that just blew over. The shockwave blew over the the trees, and then a heat just scorched the entire area. That's insane. I mean, I, I'm assuming you're going to get into it, but was that just like it was like a it was so hot from coming in the atmosphere, it hit, and then the fire just dispersed from it, or like you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'll be getting to that in okay. in a little bit. So, okay. All right. So this explosion leveled about 80 million trees. Uh, that was an area of about 800 square miles of forest. Now, on his expedition, Leonid Kulik explored the area of destruction, and he did find the epicenter of the destruction, where the trees were felled all in separate direction, pointing outwards in obviously different directions from where the epicenter was. Though what he didn't find was even more strange than what he did find. Now, Kulik did not find any meteorite fragments that he had thought would be in the area. Remember, I said he was a, he was a mineralogist. So mm. that's the reason why he was sent, was to find these meteorite fragments. He did not find any of them. He also expected to find an impact point of the meteor impact. Uh, basically, he wanted to find a crater. The really strange thing, none, like no evidence of a crater at all was found. Huh. That's really strange. So I, I feel like we could kind of speculate about the meteorite fragments if it was so hot when it came in and then it basically exploded. Maybe if it was true that the tools melted from the heat, maybe it could have burnt up the rocks. But the impact point is very strange to me. Yeah. So basically, I mean, what could it be? Now, theories about what it possibly could have been to create this massive destructive shockwave that followed this huge explosion were concocted by people really at the time just trying to figure out what strange event caused all of this to happen. Uh, one theory was that visitors from an alien planet, or of course, possibly Barry Sotero, <laughs> had now had visited this isolated region of Russia. Uh, their engines or possibly their craft, some part of it that we couldn't even understand, suffered massive ca catastrophic failure and exploded. And this would be the explosion without causing the crater. There was other ideas, one of which uh, kind of weird, a mini black hole, which at the time, black holes were just theorized. They had no evidence of them. There was also an idea about a possibility of a rogue particle of antimatter, which kind of sounds a little bit like Star Trek. 
Now, okay, let me start at the antimatter thing. My understanding is if antimatter came into our solar system at all, it would, like, explode immediately because the whole solar system's matter, right? Yes. Or does it have to touch, like, a planet or something? Yeah, I think, well, so it has to actually touch matter, but I'm not sure if, so out in the vacuum of space, there's obviously little bits of, you know, meteorite fragments, and there's a little bit of rock and metal just kind of going around everywhere. So I imagine if a rogue piece of antimatter was out in space, eventually it would touch something. Also, anytime that I think humans have ever tried to make antimatter, it's very hard to keep like intact. It kind of like disintegrates. They have a very hard time keeping it isolated. I know they have to use magnets just to keep it away from any matter. You can't put it obviously in a container. Well, okay, didn't I thought I heard like a grain-sized piece of antimatter would blow up something the size of Texas. Um so maybe that would be I I thought I had heard that, but yeah, I I think that one might be a stretch. If there's a mini black hole that appeared there, uh, wouldn't that be terrifying? <laughs> yeah, a mini black hole. I don't understand how they think that a mini black hole would cause the massive explosion in the fire. But you you did mention like a grain size of antimatter would blow up like Texas. How many particles are in the size of like a grain of sand? True. You know, true. Okay. Kind of one of those deals. So if there was a particle of antimatter and it did blow up 800 square miles of trees, then, you know, maybe it, maybe that's the equivalent of just one single particle compared to like a grain of sand. Now, the the alien theory is kind of interesting, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. All the aliens we've covered, if there is a, a supposed crash or something, it doesn't seem to cause this much damage. You, like, it causes a lot of damage, but maybe not this big of an area of damage. Yeah, it's, I mean, it would almost have to be like a mothership, because all of the all of the supposed alien crashes that happen always seem to be either the tiny little probes or small little shuttles. Nothing like big. Like this is kind of the idea of like a mothership blowing up. I wonder if it could be like, obviously there's pockets of natural gas. That's why they have fracking, right? Could have that maybe leaked out of somewhere and caused a big explosion, like a natural event. I, I don't know. That's uh yeah something ahead. like oh there is also uh situations where there's so this usually happens where there's a volcano but you know how there's like a cauldron a like a lake inside of a volcano yeah there's sometimes where like natural gas will leak out of it'll pool up inside of the lake and then like a rock slide will disturb it and it'll leak out so there is that situation it could possibly be something like that i don't see how that explosion could be like quite this large, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's very, very peculiar. Yeah, it's almost the size of something like a super volcano going off, but without all the fallout and the end of the world shit happening. <laughs> so the main culprit, in fact, turned out to be exactly what old Leonid Kulik expected it to be. However, not quite how he expected it, and that's where today's subject begins. All right. Since human civilization began tens of thousands of years ago, allegedly, yep. our ancient ancestors have been fascinated by the night sky, often turning the phenomena that they observed 
into stories and myth that would shape society and culture until the dawn of the scientific method and us having the ability to really explain these strange events accurately and being able to utilize them to the ends of really the superstitions and fairy tales that persisted since really like the shaman and the clergy of the ancient past. Right. When they, basically what you're saying is because ancient cultures, I'm not even going to say ancient cultures because there's literally people today who don't believe in science, but when they don't understand stuff, they make up supernatural explanations for them. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it still goes on to this day. There's, Oh, 100%. There's obviously people who really don't think much of like science. Like if if science goes against what you were taught in your church or if you were homeschooled or it goes like that, then usually someone telling you something about science, you'll just tell them that that's not real or that's, you know, it's just <laughs> propaganda. So. Yeah. Anybody who's curious where this still happens, take about five minutes and search on the Internet. You'll find plenty of people who think science is jargon. Especially yeah. in today's climate. Yeah, and it's not, I shouldn't just say religious people. It's also people who have odd little theories about like flat earth and, you know, natural things that we can actually test and observe. And they just don't want to believe it. I mentioned tens of thousands of years ago, allegedly. That's another thing that, you know, some yeah. people don't believe. Yeah, in. some people believe, uh, what is 6,000 years old? That's how old we are? Yeah, they they can't understand how the universe can be billions and billions of years old, let alone the earth and the solar system. So, right now eclipses, meteor showers, Aurora Borealis, uh, that's the Northern lights. And among other spatial events had captured really the imagination of ancient man and forced them to question the possible meanings and causes of these strange non-terrestrial events. Among the most terrifying events for the ancients were comets and meteorite or asteroid impacts can i say something about the northern lights here that might be the trippiest thing i've ever seen with my own eyes like it's just i don't know it's the unfortunately when i went to alaska like because of where i was you couldn't really see it but uh there's a lot of you know pictures and stuff it's very very popular up there man that is just the weirdest sky anomaly i've ever seen in my life yeah, so you've been up to Alaska. The best that I've ever seen them was when I went to Iceland. I got to see them really well. I got a really good uh, view of them. And even in Iceland, I only got to see, like, I think one color. Oh, what color? I didn't, the green? I didn't, I didn't get to see the full, the like, the full. If you go way far north, you get to see, like, the full effect. Like, if you're way up in Alaska, apparently you get to see, like, all of the colors. But the, You know, there was one time... I remember coming home from Iowa and the sky was really looked kind of like the uh, Northern Lights, kind of. I don't know if they were, it was some other thing like that, but uh, it was very trippy. Yeah, there are times where the Northern Lights do kind of creep down further south than they usually do. I think it has to do something with Earth's magnetic field or something like that. I only saw it one time, so it must be pretty rare. Yeah, I imagine it's pretty rare. Um, I, when I lived in Minnesota, obviously never saw it. So it would have been cool to see it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It, it's really awesome. I'd recommend anybody. Yeah. Give it a Google if you don't know what it is. Definitely. So one very odd astronomical event is known as a bolide. Now a bolide occurs when a meteorite makes an extremely shallow path when entering the earth's atmosphere. 
hitting denser and denser air as it travels inside the atmosphere, eventually erupting into a large fireball of bright light. Now, as the rocket material that made up the meteor disintegrates, hitting denser and denser air as it travels inside the atmosphere, eventually erupting into a large fireball of bright light. And this happens as the rocket material that made up the meteor disintegrates. Though most of these events come from small meteorites and cause little to no damage, resulting mostly in just a pretty light shell for anyone lucky enough to happen to be looking up at the time. Every so often, a much larger mass will follow this path into the Earth's atmosphere and cause a much, much larger explosion. But still not leave any damage. Well, I mean, the larger it gets, the more damage it'll create. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, you're saying this, I'm, the way I'm reading it, how you explained it, it it's kind of coming in, not directly down, but more at like an angle slowly. So you get the light show. And by the time it finally hits the earth, it's mostly burnt up, which would cause no damage to the ground, which oh. is that what you're getting at? Yeah. So these little ones, whenever you get like a, say a meteorite, the size of a, you know, like a basketball or a beach ball come into the Earth's atmosphere at this shallow angle and it explodes. It'll just be like a, a bright light. But if they get bigger and bigger, say like the size of a football stadium, that's when you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I imagine the size of a football stadium would be kind of scary. I think even yeah. one the size of a car is scary, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> if one lands, if one the size of a car lands on your house, then yes. You know, that's yeah. your whole fucking name. That's your neighborhood. If it comes in at that steep angle, then yes, that's like half your neighborhood gone. I guess if, you know, that happens, maybe. But uh, yeah, so basically what I was getting at is I'm assuming what you're getting at is when it comes in like that, even if when it's bigger, it'll cause a lot of damage, but it might not damage the ground itself kind of thing. Oh, yeah, no, there will be no huge impact right. because of that explosion. You're not going to have a huge like impact crater. Because of the angle. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I was getting at there. Very and strange. That's a, yeah, it's a bullet. I've actually only seen one. I was at my apartment in Tempe back when I was going to ASU smoking a cigarette on my porch. And I saw what I thought was a shooting star. And then it ended in like a bright explosion. It kind of sound. It kind of looked like one of those. Do you remember at the fair when they would shoot off the fireworks? Every so often they have a dud that just kind of like erupts in like a white light with yeah. no like colors or, you know, prettiness. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Just a, it blew up white. So we, would you say regular bolides pretty common or not real common, but you would probably see one in your lifetime? Yeah. Well, you're, you're definitely way more likely to see a, just a regular bolide in your lifetime than you are to see obviously a super bolide. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're still not very likely to see one. Okay. You know? Right, they I mean, don't happen all the time. I mean, especially if you live in the city with light pollution, you don't see shit. But, you know, when I met my parents, I've seen countless shooting stars and whatever. You know, those are always pretty neat. Yeah, out in the sticks, you could definitely see a lot more. <laughs> so my uh, where my mom lives uh, south of Phoenix, you get to see quite a bit more than if you live in the city. It's quite relaxing to me. Yeah. Oh, getting to see the stars. Yeah. Yeah. So these larger events are known actually as super bolides, and though rare, they have occurred in the recent past, causing massive amounts of damage to people and property when they occur over or near inhabited regions of the Earth. Now, the Tunguska event 
as it came to be known, is now firmly believed to be one of these occurrences with an asteroid or possibly a comet following on one of those shallow paths into the Earth's atmosphere. And though it technically made impact with the Earth, even though it never actually made impact with the ground, and this is because making impact with the atmosphere kind of counts as impact with the Earth. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I wonder, obviously, you you mentioned it coming in and it kind of hits all these different pressure pockets in the atmosphere. I wonder if it breaks it. It's still big, but it's kind of like broken down soft enough by the time it actually hits the ground. You know what I mean? Do you kind of know what I mean? Like, it's not like a solid rock hitting it. It's like the piece, like it's the big piece, but it's like maybe separated a little bit. So when it hits, it's not doesn't create that huge ground damage type thing. Yeah, basically the so it's it's like uh kind of like in your grill when you burn charcoal in your grill and after it burns there's these tiny little chunks that are left over. Yeah. Basically the leftovers are what fall to the earth or gotcha. maybe they scatter up in the upper atmosphere and they travel kind of with the wind currents around the earth. Gotcha. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Now This impactor is theorized to have been a stony asteroid, and it was about 215 feet in diameter, and that's about 65 meters. Uh, To give you some little bit of more perspective, it was about the size of a five-story building. Uh, For even more perspective, that is about as big a cross as two-thirds the length of an American football field, or just slightly less than the width of the soccer field. Uh, the, the width of a soccer field is about 68 meters wide. So it's pretty, pretty fucking big. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I was just going to say, can you imagine if that thing came directly down and hit the ground? Oh, yeah. I mean, on a city, Oof. that would be a fucking destructive... <laughs> Holy shit. Be needing to live in the suburbs to well, maybe make it out. Or you'd rename your city New Pittsburgh... New Pittsburgh. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, couldn't hurt. So when it reached the atmosphere, it is thought to have been moving about 33,500 miles per hour. When it got inside of the atmosphere, it was moving about 10 miles per second. Wow. And it exploded about three to six miles above the Earth's surface. When it impacted the atmosphere and exploded, it is estimated to have released about 1,000 times the energy of the Hiroshima nuclear bomb. Holy shit. And you see all how much damage that bomb did, obviously. That, damn, they're lucky that it came in at the angle that it did. Yeah, I mean, they're, what, what they really are lucky is that that basically hit a non-populated area. I mean, Mm. imagine if that would have blown up over Paris or London or New York City at the time. (sighs) I don't know. They'd have a new Steelers football team. That's what I'm saying. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I don't know. That's insane. I guess, do we have to just say God works in mysterious ways? Yeah, I I imagine (laughs) it's, it's that, of course. So the Hiroshima bomb was a yield of about 15 kilotons. So that would have made Tangusta given a yield of about 15 megaton. That's 15,000 kilotons or 15 million tons of TNT. That's a lot of TNT. I don't even think Wiley Coyote has that much, Phil. Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> damn, that is, fuck, man. That is just destructive power just sitting out there in outer space. Think about that. 
Yeah, I mean, that Hiroshima bomb in comparison to some of the bombs that we have nowadays, like that's a it's a little bomb. But when you get into like the 15 megatons, that's getting into some of the shit that they were making in the 80s. That was the like the country destroyers, the ones Did, that would take out an entire country pretty much. So they they have bombs big enough to yield a 15 megaton tons worth of destruction. Yeah, I mean, it's it got to the point like America and Russia really did start curbing how big like the H bombs that they were making were, you know, how high the yield was going. I'm not sure if they ever got up to 15 megatons, but it is you are talking about like massively destroying entire like that region was 800 like square miles of forest were taken out. That's a pretty big fucking area. That's almost as powerful as fucking Peter Petrelli in the First season of <laughs> Heroes. Before they neutered him. Yes. Yeah. About as powerful as he was. <laughs> yeah. I really, I mean, that's one of the worst TV decisions. But he was turning into a Mary Sue. So there was nothing he couldn't do. True. Very true. Now, before I go into the next large example, I should say that there is also uh, a very much lesser believed theory that I did find on the internet. But I kind of thought it was interesting and I would just kind of bring it up really quick. Now, this claims that the asteroid was actually a ferrous or iron asteroid and not the stony asteroid made of basically gravel. And the theory is that this iron asteroid grazed the atmosphere, superheating on its way down into the lower atmosphere, compressing and igniting, causing the explosion, the bright light, and the shockwave that devastated the residents, trees, and of course, reindeer of the region before it flew out back into space. Okay, so is that is that possible? Like it just kind of like, you know, came in a little bit, crazy, you know, created this energy surge that shot the Earth and then kind of went back out? I don't know exactly if it's possible. I just thought it was interesting. They kind of started using all these like sciencey terms and claiming <laughs> that they had made computer graphs. But that could be just some dude in his basement who got bored in between D&D games. So who yeah. fucking knows? I mean, he could have very well just said it was fucking Gandalf firing a fireball or something that hit Russia. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, how many, how many people on Twitter or Reddit do you see who claim to have made computer graphs about their fucking theories and claim to have equations and you know fucking algorithms and shit you know what i was i was watching the john oliver about alex jones right and yeah. once i found out that his alleged quote-unquote doctor he has on the show is mm -hmm. uh a, a chiropractor who claims he went to, to mit and he definitely did not i don't trust anybody anymore with science yeah, exactly. That was actually a recent episode of Creep It Real where they did oh, a, yeah. a really big one on Alex Jones. That was a really good episode. But yeah, I used to listen to Alex, Alex Jones quite a bit. And then I kind of started looking into it a little bit about like really like the truth about what he needs to do to stay relevant and how he kind of use his showmanship and kind of blows things out of proportion. So yeah, he's uh he he's full of shit and shame on you all you people who are sending mean messages to them because they are exposing your demigod Alex Jones. <laughs> exactly. I mean the the bad thing is he'll do like what we said a lot of the charlatans do. They basically have like a 
like a shit sandwich, but then they'll put like a drop of ham in it. And now it's a real <laughs> sandwich, you know, yeah. now it's not a shit sandwich anymore. There's ham in it. So, you know, uh, I, I figured you'd be more upset with them about selling horse shit uh, to people using his whole, whole show to pitch you junk to buy on his website. Oh, like the survival shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's yeah. just trying to make money. Everybody's got to eat, you know? So a much more recent and far more photogenic example of a Super Bowl-wide is, of course, the one that occurred on the morning of February 15, 2013, when another stony asteroid, this one about a third the size of the Tungusta asteroid, uh, it was about 20 feet across, with a mass of about 12 to 15,000 pounds, entered the Earth's atmosphere and exploded with the force of about 29 times greater than the yield of the Hiroshima bomb, which is still pretty fucking big. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, That was about 435 kilotons of TNT. This, however, happened at a much higher um, height, uh, about 18 miles above the Earth's surface. So it wasn't quite as low as the three to six miles that the Tunguska asteroid exploded in. So this one more or less blew up, kind of lit up the sky, but didn't necessarily... I mean, I guess you're going to go into the damage it caused, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, is this the one that was viral on the internet or like yeah, the this Russians? Was, when, when this happened, it was fucking everywhere. Okay. I, I remember seeing this one. Yeah. I think everyone's probably seen this video at least once. It happened in 2013. So seven, eight years ago now, everyone, everyone has to have at least seen a video of it. And I say it is very photogenic. Uh, there are a couple reasons I'll go into of how and why this had so many photographs taken of it. Okay. Now, the blast occurred just south of the city of Chilibinks. <laughs> Chilibinks. I don't know how to say it, but close enough. How it's, yeah, it's close enough. And though the upper atmosphere absorbed some of the energy, the shockwave affected over a million people and injured some 1,500 people severely enough that they needed hospitalization. Now, this came mostly from flying glass and debris. Uh, It was spread across six cities. The initial explosion from the asteroid also caused some people in the immediate area to have minor burns on their skin, basically from if they were looking at the blast when it happened and they were close enough, they would get radiated burns, like from heat coming off of it. God damn, that's fucked up. Holy shit. I wonder if it like blinded you if you were looking at it. Not like I don't, permanently, but like, you know, like a flashbang. There were people with retinal burns. Oh, damn. This, okay, so if if this is the same one I'm thinking of, like you see it, the famous video I remember is the guy in a car driving along and you see like a flash in the sky and then there's like, it almost looks like spider legs coming down of all the little pieces of it kind of shooting everywhere. Yeah, so it, it basically comes in um with a trail of like smoke behind it and it's a large it's bright it's large and it has like smoke coming off the back and then it just blows up and it kind of blows up did you ever watch not the new the star wars a new hope not the new release that came out like two decades ago but the original how it kind of blew up with little pieces flying out oh yeah you mean like the oh when they blew up the planet when they blew up the death star oh the death star yeah 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 yeah, that's kind of how it blew up, like just with, like you said, like little, like an octopus, like yeah. shit, like arms coming out of it. That, yeah, that's what I remember. And like the pieces seem to be like kind of 
shooting at different speeds and stuff. And I remember the, you can almost like see the shockwave if I remember right. Yeah, most, a lot of the videos that I saw were videos of the initial blast. And then there were later videos that were taken once the people were like, oh man, that was weird. What the fuck was that? And then all of a sudden the shockwave came through and the window started breaking. <laughs> Just another day in Russia. Exactly. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> what else is going to happen? At least we're not in Pittsburgh. It's okay. It's gonna true. Be okay. Very true. Yeah. The really bad thing is it did happen in February. You can imagine it's very, very cold in Russia. And with the million windows that blew out, it would get very, very cold in those buildings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So almost a second fucking disaster happened pretty much. So unlike the Tunguska event, Chebolinsk was a heavily populated city and it took place during modern times. So there were many cell phones, security and dashboard cameras, which caught a lot of the footage of this meteorite entering the atmosphere along with the, like I mentioned before, long smoke trail and resulting explosion that occurred that day. Now in Russia, insurance fraud against motorists is widespread. Uh, one thing that motorists in Russia do to combat this is they install dash cams in their cars to capture any attempt at insurance fraud. And this is the reason why there is so much footage of this meteor from dash cameras. Right, right. Yeah, if it's... <laughs> I think it's literally like, uh, what's the YouTube like, idiots from Russia or something? That's all yes. you can see is just car crashes in Russia. And I guess yeah, basically low speed car crashes, and then they get out and grab their neck and blame it on you, even yeah. though maybe your car was parked at the time. <laughs> it's how it be, Russian problems, man. Yep. Yeah, I did see one video even where there was a guy driving down the street and somebody, it looked like he was a, thinking about running out in front of him. So when the guy ran out, he actually was slowed way down and he slammed on his brakes. The guy saw him slam on his brakes. He like started running to the car and then jumped against the hood and the windshield of the car. The dude pointed, like got out of his car with, I think he had like a baseball bat. And with the baseball bat, he pointed to the dash camera. He was more <laughs> afraid of the dash camera than he was the baseball bat. Because once he saw the, the fucking dash camera, that's when he like turned and burned. <sighs> yeah, don't do that. I saw this good video. It's not in Russia, but I think it was in Mexico. Uh, they had just installed like a broken back window of like a pickup, right? And mm -hmm. then the lady comes out and she says, uh, I'm dissatisfied with the window service and I want to return it. It's like a scam to get mm -hmm. out of paying for. So the owner takes a baseball bat. And he just smashes in the back window and he's like, okay, there's your refund. Have a nice day. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. The Chelebinks explosion was, like I mentioned before, many, many times smaller. And it exploded much higher in the atmosphere than the Tunguska explosion. With the Chelebinks airburst causing really not a lot of major building destruction, the shockwave mostly only took out windows and it did knock some citizens like off of their feet. Now, had the Tunguska explosion occurred over the same area right now, the city of Chavalinks has well over a million residents. This would have caused an unimaginable amount of death and destruction to the city and the people. It would have blown apart buildings and scorched its victim in a widespread area around the epicenter of the blast. And remember, I said there were six cities affected by this much smaller airburst. Right. So if it was anywhere near the Tunguska one, 
and it hit like that one did, this would just be like basically the opening scene to what Terminator Two. Oh yeah, definitely just, the 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 flashback moment where she's like fucking rattling the chain link fence, and then she just evaporates. Yeah, yeah, it'd have been that shit. Ooh, what is okay? So we've had two of these in fucking Russia. What is going on over there? I don't know if it's just <laughs> such. I don't know if it's maybe because it's in the North Pole, like towards the North Pole region, or maybe it's just because Russia is so big that that's where it happened to have happened. Um, they say that these super bullwides are like a once in a hundred year thing. So, gotcha. so we got to experience one that I mean, we didn't experience, but we got to witness it. We got to be on Earth when it did happen, and it did happen during the modern age with all these cameras and shit around. Right. So, so I get. I mean, I'm glad nobody was uh, killed or anything. Sounds like it's just probably minor injuries, anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you go if you go on the internet and look up uh, the list of like bolides, there are about twenty that have happened that I found in the past four years, maybe that were big enough to get recorded down. Um, If you look at like the last two decades, like the whole list of bolides that have been recorded, obviously like, uh, so crime and sports, they always call them, they call the fighters who have their own Wikipedia page linkers. Obviously the Chebelinks explosion is the only linker in those lists. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. This is the, the Chebelinks explosion is the only notable Super Bowl-wide since Tunguska that has really, you know, done a lot of damage. So what, just because of where it happened and, yeah. you know, modern times and all. Yeah, and I, what, it would have been, what, 105 years apart, so I guess timeline fits there. Yep. Now, I did take a, a little trip around the internet, of course, and I found some other theorized Super Bowl-wides that may, and I must, I must emphasize, may have occurred throughout history and they are the supposed mass extinction that is theorized to have caused the megafauna in the western hemisphere to completely go extinct around 12,000 years ago uh, that theory is that it was a super bullseye that occurred somewhere over the skies of greenland or over canada interesting okay um i'd never heard of that before are we sure this isn't just because Mega Fauna uh, lost its way with Jesus Christ and he killed them all. Yeah, so there is a theory <laughs> that there was, um, it was, I believe it's a, like a chunk of a much larger comet actually did hit the Earth like 12,000 years ago and cause all these megafauna to go extinct. But I've never really heard that it was a Super Bowlide before. It's just when I was Googling Super Bowlides, like this came up. It didn't have like a ton of scientific fact or, you know, any, it didn't really feel like a scientific paper, let's just say, but it it didn't quite feel like a, like conspiracy theory website too. So it was kind of somewhere in between. Gotcha. Well, I mean, obviously I would assume 12,000 years ago, they didn't have uh, Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and everything (laughs) for everybody to take pictures of it. So there's that. Yeah. This is also, so there's a, another little theory that this same mass extinction event is what actually caused the civilization of the, like, Gobekli Tepe in Anatolia. That's what caused it to go away in the country of Turkey, basically. Okay. So, All right. 
No. So there is another theory, and that is that a superbolide caused the mythical worldwide flood that occurred, of course, during the mythical story of Noah's Ark. And that was after a comet or asteroid experienced an air burst, supposedly over the Indian Ocean. Interesting theory. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Here's my thing. Part of me kind of thinks there was a giant flood of some kind back then. I don't know if it's like, you know, God did it or whatever, but it, like the Earth experienced a flood of some kind. Um, what, what do you think about that? What's your feelings on that? So uh, there is a theory out there also that there was a like a comet or asteroid that impacted the Earth somewhere east of like I think Madagascar, somewhere in the Indian Ocean. the The tidal wave could have came in and flooded all the coastal regions, and then rain from the evaporated water, like entering the atmosphere, may have caused floods in other regions. Gotcha. So. Okay. The only reason that I kind of think that something like that happened is because you have multiple different cultures talking about an ancient flood, and obviously they probably didn't understand, you know, weather events or asteroids or things like that, so they assume it was an angry god or whatever. So that's why I always think, like, something flood-wise happened on Earth at some point, um, but obviously... We don't know for sure. That's just how I feel, kind of. Yeah, it also could have just been a fucking traveling story that rode on the backs of traders and bards and shit, you know, from town to town. That's true, too. Yeah. So, of course, I have to mention this also, that there is a supposed airburst of a comet or asteroid that destroyed or sunk the lost civilization of Atlantis. Gotcha. Okay, so King Midas and Ariel and Sebastian Flounder, they're all they're all, <laughs> yep. all barbecued. Yep, they're all barbecued by a fucking Super Bowl light. No, yeah, we had that uh we had that Atlantis episode before, and I do believe we did talk about possibly an asteroid strike. This would be much the same, it's just an airburst instead of an asteroid, you know, impacting the ground. Now, okay, let's if you were theorizing that happened, would that lead you to believe that Atlantis was an island that got hit or was on land and got hit and just wiped it out and then new civilizations took over on top of it. Um if if somebody could if somebody told me it was definitely an airburst but they didn't give me any other facts, I would assume it was on the coast of a continent that's already there and the airburst just occurred over their city and wiped out their city. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I kind of like that. I mean, that's very plausible. Well, this is kind of a, I don't want to say doomsayer episode, obviously. It's just a very interesting look at, you know, astrological events that we obviously have zero control over, but uh, at least we can be reassured that one happened, you know, uh, what, seven years ago. So we should be all dead before the next one occurs, <laughs> theoretically. So yeah. keep your eyes on the sky. See if you see any little flashes. Maybe you'll see a little bolide, uh, not a dangerous one. I think that'd be pretty pretty sweet uh, to see that. Hopefully we never experience a super bolide. I'll just say that. It would be very, very unlikely that another super bolide will hit the Earth in the next I mean, they call them 100-year events. I mean, one could happen fucking tomorrow, and then another one could happen the next day. But it's just the likelihood of one happening. So it'd be be very odd. If one did happen, 
in the next year, then you might want to go play the fucking lottery or, <laughs> you know, go <laughs> just go to a casino and play a regular machine and you'll win. So you remember when the Cavs with LeBron James won their championship? I think they were down three games to one. You never say never, Phil. That's true. That was also a storyline. So <laughs> I think the refs might have given it to him. I have no proof of that, but, you know, just a feeling. All right. Well, uh, if you guys have ever witnessed a strange anomaly in the sky like a bolide, you should email us. Where can they do that at, Phil? They can hit us up on our email at subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, they can also go to our new website, www.subliminaldeception.com. They can find a contact link there where they just fill out their name, their information, and the body of their message, and it comes straight to us, uh, right to our email. Also, we're on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast. Uh, we get a lot of great messages and a lot of likes and a lot of love from all of our fans. So, you know, keep it coming. And if you want to get a hold of us, go ahead. Cody and I both also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is SDPodPhil. And I am very sorry for the people that I didn't message over the last few weeks. I lost my password and I just actually got it back. So I'll be trying to get back with you guys. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at CodyZabub. Uh, hit me up on there. Give me some suggestions. Otherwise, uh, if you guys are an iTunes listener, please leave the show five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say. If you are on Spotify, all you have to do is hit that follow button. It's allegedly like an iTunes review for Spotify. Also, you'll be updated when the newest episode drops. Otherwise, uh, Phil, you did a phenomenal job. I was, uh, I love hearing about space shit. So I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Take care. Bye, guys.